Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? (laughs) Well, maybe my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. (laughs) Well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. And today we're going to talk about death. <laughs> um, Yay! <laughs> I know, it's quite like <laughs> ominous, but I don't think it has to be. I think it's just, we're just talking about how things end. Endings well, yeah, and all aren't s- bad. No, and also, I suppose the question of, you know, is there life after death and mm-hmm. what happens afterwards and, uh, yeah, all of that stuff. And how um, you come to terms with death as either a non-religious person or someone that was religious and no longer is religious, um, especially mm. as obviously um, I've not had big shifts in my thoughts on death. I think I've just slowly congregated onto what I think, but I think um, yeah. obviously... You, you will have gone through a process of believing in a kind of life after death kind of situation with with um, paradise and then not having that. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Jehovah's Witnesses stand on that. Obviously, for those of you who don't know, um, I don't know why you wouldn't know, but for those of you that <laughs> don't know, um, I was raised as Jehovah's Witness and left around 30. And um, so what we were taught was that... Um, I think it's quite different, actually, to to most religious setups. It's actually quite rational in many respects, and then you get this other weird kind of weirdness that that pops on the end of it, if you like. So, so if you start saying that Jehovah's Witnesses believe that when you die, um, you know nothing, you are completely um, well. You're like in a deep sleep, is the way that I was taught. Um, but you just know nothing. There is no consciousness. There is no thinking. There's nothing, and you die. You go into non-existence. I mean, that's a very scientific kind of view. You, that would be very much in line with a scientific view of death. Um, but then the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that there's this thing called the general resurrection. So Jehovah's Witnesses believe that at some point in the near future everybody that's ever died is going to be resurrected to the earth and so you have pictures in the literature and so on of people coming literally raising from the dead being raised from the dead um with their normal bodies and clothes and so on you know so you have pictures of parents welcoming their their child back from the dead at their gravestone and mothers um coming back and fathers coming back and their children hugging them and everything so you have this this idea that that um that the individual will be resurrected exactly as they were when they died um and and of course they'll they'll try to explain that um through the bible i mean there's so many unanswered questions but you're always told you know obviously we don't know everything you know everything will be revealed and uh, just just wait on jehovah and it'll all be 
um, it'll be obvious and explained but there's so many questions it, it doesn't really stack up you know uh, why are they at the gravestones for a start you know, the, the bodies are certainly not the same ones that are buried there for hundreds of years or dozens of years you know and, and um so many i've never been to a burial uh, um either they've mm, always been um cremations. cremated yeah yeah so that's an interesting thing as well just to throw out there with regards to jehovah's witnesses is obviously they don't believe I remember being told by grandma they don't believe in souls no. um, but that's my question is like but like you said they're definitely not like terrifying zombies that come back with just their bodies <laughs> do you know what I mean so there must be some sort of so what is it that they're bringing back then has he just yeah, got them on a floppy so, disk somewhere <laughs> so a, a mildly funny story is uh, when I was a I think I was a teenager perhaps a bit older um, I gave a talk about the fact that we don't have souls uh, we are souls, um, and I kept saying that we are souls. Oh God! <laughs> I remember my brother saying to me afterwards, "Did you realise what you were saying?" <laughs> we are souls, um, oh, but no, that's the that's the philosophy is that we don't we don't possess a soul. We actually our essence of who we are is the soul. So when we talk about you know poor soul, we're talking about the individual. Um, and again, that's quite a, a secular way of looking at it. So um, we can hark back to a previous podcast we did about um, dualism, this mind and body separation thing. So Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that at all. So they they believe that the the person is the person. If you like, there's no right. there's no spirit, there's no um, ethereal thing that that flies off after death. That as soon as the person dies, as soon as the body dies the individual goes so that's them but what's happened is um god jehovah has that person in his memory mm-hmm. and i suppose as a sort of naturally quite a scientific thinking person I, I could describe that in very scientific terms you know essentially you know god has the algorithm for you um stored away in a database and all he needs to do is is just essentially um reanimate that or to create that within another body that a physical body that um you know all all the essence of you is stored somewhere and in theory you know we could imagine that that is technically possible if you could imagine uh having a having computing power that has the capability of literally storing every single thing about the individual including their experiences and their genetic makeup and everything Mm -hmm. then in theory you know you could imagine um, that being reassembled again and that being you i mean it's not mm. that different from things like the transporter in star trek you know where you're you're disassembled and then reassembled again at, at the other place if that was to be true then that machine would have to be able to reconstruct everything about you including your memories and and everything that you'd experience so it's the same principle so okay i, I could buy that really um mm. but you know there's no evidence that that's going to happen obviously and that's the big problem with with um, any of these ideas is that we we kind of lack evidence but um but yeah that was what i was uh, brought up to believe and that's what i i suppose that was a comfort when you you know when you lose people who die you have this this hope that you're going to see them again as they were so you know my granddad died or before that my grandma died um and 
yeah, you just expect that you'll see her again as she is or as she was. Of course, that raises all sorts of questions as to, you know, why would you bring people back who are sick um, and how are you going to make yeah. them unsick and all of that sort of thing. But still, I'm just that was imagining the... like the geriatric earth. It's just <laughs> like a, a, basically it just ends up being a retirement home. If you bring everyone back as they were at the end, like obviously there's some people that die young and so on, but a lot of people do die old so it's yeah just... i mean the, the the addition to that um theory is then that they would be uh brought back to perfection so and mm. um, they would gradually get younger if you like right. in their physical appearance and their their physical nature i mean these are all this is all speculation because the bible doesn't really talk about any of this that's just because we love being young and no one wants to be brought back exactly. and then to be old yeah. for eternity. Imagine you were brought back and now you get to have backache for like the rest exactly. of the time. Exactly. So you have all sorts of conversations about, you know, what what sort of age, sort of biological age are you going to be, um, are you going to be? And, and, you know, the question was, would you be brought back as an old person or would you be brought back as a young person? If you brought back as an old person, people would recognise you, but then you'd have to grow young. If you brought back as a young person, no one would necessarily know who you were. Um, mm. And so all sorts of bizarre kind of conversations, um, and and that's yeah. So that's that's what I I was brought up to believe. This general resurrection, people who die get brought back mm. um, to the earth. Um, obviously, there would be a, a population uh, crisis, really, in terms of um, you know. There's, I mean, obviously, it would depend how it's done. If it all happened at once, it would be a nightmare. Um, you'd end up with hundreds of billions of people on the earth. I'm not actually sure how many people have ever lived on the earth. I should have looked mm. that up. But I'm guessing it's around 150 billion, something like that, who've ever lived. Mm. Imagine all those coming back. We'd have to expand, um, wouldn't we? Get, a, would get be... a, um, an extension on the earth. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's um, that's that's the belief that, that I had as a Jehovah's Witness. And he's still, as far as I understand it, he's still the... Uh, the position, the doctrinal position, um, based around yeah. one or two scriptures which are interpreted to mean that. But the Bible doesn't really talk about that at all. Mm. A lot of the scriptures that are used to provide evidence for this are actually around restoration prophecies for the Israelites who were wandering the wilderness, being told that one day they will. And then these are all kind of wonderful pictures of paradise you know where they'll have lots of food and there'll be no fear anymore and all these lovely kind of images but they were talking about the israelites going into what they considered to be their promised land a land flowing with milk and honey this was this was what they were looking forward to mm. um but jehovah's witnesses take that and apply that to a an earth you know in the very near future and and that i mean that's taking real liberties in my view of what the actual what the Bible was actually saying, mm. um, even if you believe it's it's true or inspired, you know mm. why would that talk about, you know, human beings in the twenty first century? So, so yeah. But anyway, that was um, yeah that was what what we were brought up to believe. Do you remember sort of ever it crossing your mind like, I guess choosing to not force yourself to believe meant also accepting that when people die and the people that you have died or your own you know parents and yourself you won't see them again you know they are um you know if you're going you, i know that you don't believe in a heaven so that's why i'm saying that like because i know you could leave the witnesses and believe in some other 
life after death but knowing that you don't did you have to rationalize that in your head or like come through a process being like oh i'm not going to see them again so what what i left you mean yeah um yeah that's that's interesting i i i don't um it, it is really interesting because i, I just, i've never really given that a lot of thought um and i don't know why why would i never have given that a lot of thought i suppose it's hard to believe because i know you were really close with your granddad for example mm. um like well because you didn't have a granddad on the other side um mm. he, he'd passed away quite young um but you know you were really close with um, one of your granddads um so obviously but he he died by the time you'd already um stopped believing yeah um, i was just i was just on my kind of transition when he died mm. well i just it would have been a couple of years i would say since um since leaving the jehovah's yeah. witnesses when he died I, I suppose with with my granddad although um you know i felt really close to him and i still do think of him as as a really important part of my life i didn't see him very often because he lived in warrington i live in peterborough um didn't really have that much to 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 i didn't see him that often mm. um so it wasn't like somebody you see every day or you know you see regularly and suddenly they're gone and this huge hole in your life is there um so i, I suppose i've i'd never really experienced that feeling and i probably still haven't um yet which is I suppose slightly scary thing but um my parents are still alive um everybody I've ever been really really close to is still alive mm. and so I guess I guess I didn't have that that feeling of you know I, I was really looking forward to seeing him and now I don't think I will see him I think but I do think at the uh, perhaps at the nub of this is the fact that it didn't seem real mm. So I tried to make it feel real. A lot of this stuff around the the paradise, when you're a child, you obviously you you, you feel it's real. But as you're growing up, it just found it sounds like a fantasy, and it, it feels like a fantasy. It feels like science fiction, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, and it it's like, do I really believe that anyway? Did I ever really believe that this was going to happen? And I don't think so, to be honest. It never really felt real to me. You might mm. say you might talk about it and. You know, it gives you a little bit to cling on to, I suppose, to think, well, you know, maybe there is this other thing that I can, mm. I can look forward to. But, but no, I don't, I don't ever remember feeling a, a real hole of, of disappointment and anxiety that I was never going to see these people again. Um, when I, I believed I would, I think deep down, I probably never believed it. I don't think that's the same for everybody though. So, I'm um, talking mm. to other former witnesses. I think quite a few people get interested in perhaps contacting people they in that have died so trying to um you know contact them through mediums, mediums. and that mm. sort of thing um and some people believe in heaven um when they leave so actually it's a very broad range but for me i just didn't i didn't probably didn't believe it anyway and so i'd never really it wasn't a massive shock to me i think no i think and that's the thing that for me i i knew without even having ever been like do you believe in heaven dad like i never had to ask that as a child so i think i did experience um death from a young age not in like a sounds very like morbid but i wasn't you know i 
I was lucky enough to have great grandparents, mm. but that does mean that obviously they will. You're probably going to experience them dying younger than when you experience your grandparents passing. Um, but actually, it turned out that your granddad and my granddad um, at one point were ill at the same time in the same hospital. Yeah. Um, so they were both sick around that time, and um, yeah, as she was known, as she was wanted to be known, Nan the Great. <laughs> um she she passed away and remember you know going to see her and like i guess mum also she'd worked in a care home so i had experienced experienced old people what a sentence but you know an experienced old people and Mm. knowing that you know sometimes i would go and she'd be like they're not here anymore and it wouldn't but there'd never be a discussion of a and they're watching over us in blah blah or like no, and we'll go right. see them afterwards so for mm. me it was always I did understand that people left, I don't think I understood the grand concept of death but I understood that sometimes mm. people were there and sometimes they weren't anymore and you know my experience of that was older people, I'd never experienced that with mm. losing younger people which I'm sure is completely different um, like you know when you think of all the shock and stuff involved yeah. in that but what what I think I suppose from a not religious religious standpoint just talking on death and I think it's almost unfair in the way that religions steal that process that is kind of gentle and accepting death and being like okay that's you know coming to your own terms with it rather than if you are religious and then leave that is not gentle at all if you did have beliefs that it was all going to be okay and that you know if you never have to come to terms with it yeah i think i think so i mean uh, for most people i guess they have this vague notion of of heaven or something mm. else when they die and that's that's probably as much as as most people need if i'm honest you know mm. is it's not it's not the end i don't know what what is going to happen afterwards i'm not saying this is my view i'm just mm. just mm. i often do that in these podcasts i've noticed i i i um parrot a view and it like sounds like it's my opinion but it's oh, not right. necessarily <laughs> um but this is non-script person believes yeah exactly i'm just trying to put the point of view mm. of this imaginary person but i think most people um when i talk to them on the rare occasion i've ever talked about this um i think most people just are happy with the notion that i don't think this is the end i think we we have some existence afterwards but i don't really know what it is Mm. um but that's kind of good enough for them because nobody knows so let's just leave it there and and i think that kind of works for most people they've Mm. been brought up with perhaps belief in heaven um but they're not necessarily religious so although they've got this notion of heaven it doesn't really fit into a a complex theology it's just you know somewhere um and they like the idea that their parents are looking down on them laughing yeah. at them or supporting them or you know and that's that's kind of that's as much as it, it goes and that's fair enough but i think when an all-encompassing religious belief like jehovah's witnesses or, mm. or others um where it's very it's very tied into a whole set of beliefs that can be more difficult um, I also think that um, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, I think they're in denial about death. So I think yeah, there's, I was a, there's, a, this. Yeah, there's an unhealthy denial about death. I mean, even to the, the fact that they think the end is coming at any moment, which means mm. that through their lives, they often 
believe that while it's possible they might die, um, a lot of them will actually make it through Armageddon and will never taste death. They will never die. Mm. So that's certainly how I was brought up, you know, that I would never have to worry about dying. I mean, yeah, sure, you might have an accident or an illness, but if, you know, if you if you hang around long enough, you're going to make it through Armageddon and therefore you will never have to die. Mm. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses actually have that, at least that's what they believe or they think they believe. And so I think it's really quite difficult for, for people to come to terms with death if you don't believe you're going to die. No, it's definitely true. And I think, yeah, if you've got, yeah, if you've got people similar ages to you that do um, uh, pass or if you've got, um, you know, it, when people do die, even then you do just say, well, we'll see them again soon. So it's OK. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was told that it's just like going to sleep. So when you have a really deep sleep, you close your eyes. Next thing you know, you're awake. And as a kid, you sort of do that. If you're a normal child, I would say, mm-hmm. you probably sleep quite well. So you go to sleep, head hits the pillar, boom. You go to sleep, you wake up, eight hours have passed, ten hours have passed, and you don't mm-hmm. know anything about it. And that's how I was taught that death would be like. So in a way, I didn't need to worry about it. If I died, before I knew what happened, I'd be awake again because mm. you don't you don't know the passing of time when you're asleep um yeah. and so that's that's the way i was brought up to believe in um in life and death mm. you know as i say as a child i i absolutely believe that but i think as as i got older i don't remember having a it wasn't one of the areas that that worried me if you like about whether it was mm. the truth or not but i think i didn't really have a strong sense that that was actually what was going to happen I think it's interesting that what you said about how you've not necessarily you're like I wonder why I've not thought about that much and maybe it was because you didn't believe in that aspect because it did seem so yeah implausible and fantastical um but also I think maybe because it it's also a slightly like terrifying um because remember you were writing something about like the horrors of um like paradise so if if that was actually real um you know living eternally just forever with like no purpose i get like this is the thing it just freaks me out like just living forever with no Mm. purpose other than what just to have a nice time like sitting with the cows i don't know like what's gonna happen (laughs) forever nobody wants to sit with the cows everyone Um, wants to sit with lions and tigers but i'll sit with the cows i'll sit with the cows but like (laughs) You know, <laughs> says the vegetarian. Um, but you know, like everybody, I just, I just imagine what do you do with your entire life that never ends? Oh, well, it's terrifying for me. Um, again, I was, I was going to be um, somebody who tried to understand the world. I suppose so. I suppose science. I mean, um, Jehovah's Witnesses have quite an interesting relationship towards science. So. Um, you know, it's this sort of, we believe in science that's true, but we don't believe in science that disagrees with the Bible. Yeah, and it's like, huh. <laughs> so, yeah, so anything anything that you discover through the scientific method that, that doesn't mm. match with what the Bible says is not true science. True science is anything that science has discovered that either agrees with the Bible or doesn't have any kind of relationship to it. So that's mm. fine then. 
Um, and this that's obviously ridiculous, but um, I suppose in my mind, I was going to be somebody who would spend my whole eternity um, studying... Uh, I mean, I was interested in space, so it would have been planets and... Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, there, there's no reason why you couldn't fantasise about... Um, earth colonizing other planets and um, being a you know spacefaring because there's nothing in the bible that would say that you weren't allowed to do that i mean no. what what the thing we were supposed to look forward to was serving jehovah and worshiping jehovah for eternity well that didn't hold any interest to me whatsoever because i don't mm. know what that means what does Just that like, actually mean have a good praise Stephen. i mean uh, yeah i like to sing the kingdom songs does that mean that that's what i do all day you know <laughs> your um, life is now singing kingdom do songs i have forever. to keep yeah do i have to keep praying to jehovah to tell him how great he is you know that seems so narcissistic and pathetic to me it never did i never did understand that you know like an existence just praising god well, no, I don't. That's rubbish. I don't want to do that. What I would like to do is I would like to learn about life and existence, and mm. so yeah. And if that praises Jehovah, well, that's fine. And so that's the way I kind of looked at it. It mm. was trying to understand God's creation and all the wonderful things about the universe was the way I was going to spend yeah. eternity. That that was the way I sort of saw it. Mm. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's. It is a strange concept, you know, and obviously we're we're interested in uh, literature and uh, filmmaking and mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. It's been um, explored quite a lot, hasn't it? This idea it of has, living yeah. forever. Um, what would that be like? And um, yeah, I also just had the thought. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't have children, do you? In this new paradise, there is just the people that there are. There's no new people. Well, the, it wasn't really clear about that. I think. Um, the the way what we were told there's a there's a scripture in the bible that talks about resurrected ones not marrying mm. um so jesus i think we might have spoken about this before but um when jesus was on earth he was asked um by the pharisees who like to try and trick him so they said they gave him a, a story about this woman who um uh let me get it right if i get it wrong bible people will get on to me but um i think it's a woman whose husband dies and then she marries again and then he dies mm. and then she marries again and i think seven times she remarries mm. and the pharisees gave jesus this illustration said you know whose whose wife will she be in the resurrection mm. now of course most of christendom most christian religions think that that's talking about heaven mm. but jehovah's witnesses don't believe in that so they think that's talking about the re resurrection on the earth mm. So, so that his response to that question is what guides them to believe that he was referring to people that were resurrected onto the earth. And basically he said, there will be no marriage. Mm. Um, they will be as the angels. And in that respect, they don't, they don't have uh, marriage. In other words, they don't really have a sex life. So They don't have a um, gender, do they? They're just... Well, in the, in the again, this is one of these areas that we didn't really mm. know. But um, the 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 takeout from that was that. So if you know, if a partner lost their wife, um, if a man lost his wife, or a um, a woman lost her husband, when they mm. when they get resurrected, they wouldn't be married anymore, mm. um, and therefore, and they wouldn't 
be able to get married anymore. They would they would still be on the earth together, but they mm. couldn't live together as man and wife. Um, and that's really what the the, it's the just doctrine sad, was. Isn't it? <laughs> I know a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses struggle with that. Yeah, especially children whose one of their parents has died. Mm-hmm. And obviously they want their parents to be back together again when they come back from the dead. So mm. that's an area of quite contention. And a lot of I think a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses just basically they just brush over that. and They say, well, you know, we don't know for sure. Whatever it is, it'll be good. Jehovah won't let us experience anything that makes us unhappy in the new order. So we'll just leave it with him. Um, and they say that a lot, really, about a lot of these things. It's just all this paperwork you know, they're leaving for God. There's these scraping great holes in this theology but they don't feel the need to um to fill them mm. um and so yeah that that was that's been quite but in terms of those who go through armageddon go through the end of the world and might and never die mm. yeah they might they will be able to have children um if required but i guess you know if you think about everybody coming back from the dead um, there's a thousand year reign of Christ where all these people gradually get resurrected mm. and then everybody lives for a thousand years um, and then at the end of that thousand years is the judgment day so mm. the kind of the uh, the chronology is we have um, the great tribulation Armageddon uh, which is the end of everything mm. Uh, or the end of the wicked world, let's say, not the end of everything, the end of the wicked system of things, um, then everybody gets resurrected. We have a thousand-year reign of Christ where it's kind of a testing ground. So you get a thousand years to prove whether you're kind of worthy, if you like. Those that are worthy then at Judgment Day go on to live forever. Mm. Those that are not get destroyed for good. Mm. So God's resurrected them to the earth to try out for a thousand years if they don't cut it they then get killed for good that's complete annihilation he wipes the memory he wipes that that flash drive that he's stored Mm. their personality and their person in just yeets it into space deletes it and yeah (laughs) deletes it for good Mm. um so who knows how many people there will be but i would still suggest there's going to be quite a lot of people that make it if you've been resurrected um you know i would suggest that you're gonna believe in god aren't you yeah (laughs) you come back you're like well shit (laughs) yeah oh great i've had this second chance so you then live your thousand years and and so whether there'll be enough room on the earth for people to have children i don't know Mm -hmm. it's all nonsense isn't it i mean you know when you actually talk about it it's complete and utter nonsense Mm. um and how i ever believed it i i just I scratched my head, to be honest. But I suppose, like you said, you probably didn't massive believe this aspect because it wasn't earth-shattering for you when you realised that yeah. it wouldn't yeah. be what, what you got. I think so. Um, so that's interesting. And, um, yeah, I suppose, like, yeah, we were talking about how this isn't just something that religion is dealing with. This is just, you know, a thing of life that we're all wondering about all the time and to some degree. You know, what will happen when I die slash... What happened to the people that aren't here anymore? Mm. Um, And obviously I come from a background of... Like I said, I've never been religious myself. Um, Obviously I have, like, influences in that we have religious family. But, like, you know, I wasn't raised um, believing that sort of stuff. Um, I remember sort of 
one day laying in bed and having the like, oh, one day people like mum and dad will die and that will just happen and there's nothing I can do about it and I'll die. Oh, and then just sort of laying there like, oh. <laughs> and I've heard that from a few people like as kids just laying there and be like, oh, like the grand realisation of death and that you're just a speck in the universe. <laughs> Um, yeah. like for Aidan I think he said my housemate the way he came to think about that was like I think he read about the great heat death of the universe in like the space encyclopedia and was just like oh my <laughs> like goodness whole... so it, had, yeah. it took that did it to realise that he himself was also mortal <laughs> no like he was like he loved space as a kid and his parents yeah. got him like an encyclopedia and he was reading and then he was like everything ends including the universe everything ends like not just like small things but on like grand scale he went from like just like living his happy little like child life to like everything ends <laughs> like quite abruptly um yeah um but like you know everyone i think you know quite a lot of people have said yeah they're just doing something then all of a sudden they're like death um which is interesting um but i suppose one thing i never found myself reaching for religious texts to feel okay um or to be soothed by that fact because you know i have what did you do then so i i recently or not even recently a while a while ago i picked up a book in a bookshop called the five people you meet in heaven because i just thought it seemed interesting um and it's kind of philosophical discussions on death um sort of thing i enjoy um and, and I don't know, I think I was just in the right place to be considering that last year. This time last year I was getting the train a lot to London um, and I was reading a lot So, because I had many hours on the train and the tube. Just before the um, the big virus, I suppose. Just before the world went to... Went to... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was um, I was reading that and it's it's a really nice way of exploring death and considering the value of life i suppose um so i see those two in very much in tandem in that death it isn't just about death it's about i i guess believing in death um which is such a weird phrase but believing in death so believing that when you die you know you actually die and that it's, it's over now gives you a freedom in life to do your best i suppose is kind of how i've come to terms with it and so like you know this you know like this jehovah's witness denial of death mm. is kind of trapping in a sense because it doesn't allow you to um see the end and therefore you know live your life in a way that you can be happy with when it does come to an end um or like to consider the smaller scale of just your individual life and its impacts and the ones that you come into contact with instead of this grand scale resurrection do you know what i mean i think people often think that if you're not religious you're not thinking about these things or that you you lose out on some sort of like moral goodness because you don't have some greater picture i don't think that's necessarily true because i think a belief in death allows you a freedom to be to be a good moral person because you know that it's and it ends (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, it gives it gives a sort of frame to your life doesn't it it's mm -hmm. um without without the end to it it, it's yeah you could just imagine life just going on and on and on and not um 
having any focus you know no. people wouldn't get anything done because you can always do it tomorrow you know so and i think exactly. that and i think that it does... was like yeah and it, it's like someone did a ted talk about stop saying your 30s is the new 20s because you rob people of their urgency in their 20s and then you know they get to their 30s and it's all pushed back to then instead um so it's kind of like i suppose if you don't believe in death you you keep doing that you push everything back to the next life because why worry about this now because in the grand scheme of things that thing that i said to that person won't really matter when we're all resurrected or um you know the way that people think it's okay to shun for instance um people that leave the witnesses you know they're like oh in the grand scheme that's fine because you know when we're resurrected we'll be proven right sort of thing for doing what we're doing um it it can it pushes off these moral dilemmas to someone else in a future self Mm. rather than yourself in that Mm. moment deciding what is the right thing to do to be a good person here and now yeah that's quite interesting yeah yeah absolutely because yeah you don't need to be worried do you because you've been told it's right and you'll be proven it's right in the future self (laughs) well there's a lot of infantilization i think with the the witnesses and and i would i would suggest other religions too you know Mm -hmm. so you're told yeah you're told to behave in certain ways and you don't have to you don't have to weigh up the morality the ethics of that because you're told that's the right thing to do don't question it just do it Mm -hmm. um and then you can all of that is actually quite a weight off your shoulder in some respects because you can go oh i'm just doing what god tells me to do well and and the good thing for you is there's no repercussions Mm. because you get resurrected for doing that do you know what i mean so you don't it's all pushed off into the future whereas i think if you if you accept the fact that one day you'll die then you kind of want your ducks in a row do you know what i mean you don't want to die um feeling unresolved or having regrets you Mm. know Mm. um so i think it takes away yeah your urgency your will to do good and and to not be regretful because this is the only opportunity you get to do it yeah um so that's what i liked about reading this book is it kind of it's called the five people you meet in heaven but i would say it's it's not it it's not very religious it's Mm. very enjoyable for someone that is more secular um and and it's kind of just this idea that before this man can die and be at peace he needs to go through a set of understandings of himself and it's about himself not about the world and everything it's just about understanding himself and why he feels the way he feels and why his life was the way it was um and also understanding his connection to others but um sort of yeah coming to terms with himself so that he can be at peace i suppose um and this idea of finding peace being some work that you do personally i think again is important instead of just oh you'll be peaceful and happy because you get to frolic around in fields and you know praise jehovah constantly it's like you personally need to do some work you need to take on some agency um you know in the the book has these five different people teaching him about um his life and the things that he needs to come to terms with in order to pass it's kind of like a deaf version of um uh, christmas carol i suppose because yes. they come in yeah. and teach him lessons mm. but um the first person is someone he has sort of no idea why this person would be here to talk to him he's like well why are you here why the circus freak that is a, bl- a literally a blue man because of some medicine that they used to have in the past that turned his skin blue and gave him a weak heart 
and he's like why are you here you you're irrelevant to me and it's because he actually saved his life as a child and he has no idea because um as a child he ran out to get a ball and he swerved so that he didn't hit this child and he had a heart attack from the sort of the fright of nearly hitting a child and he has this weak heart and he dies and he's like you know i died so that you could live and carry on your life and um you could take that in a kind of predestination way where it's like i was predetermined that he would die so you could live but i don't think that's what he's kind of telling him he's saying we're all connected in the way that we all come into connection with each other through happenstance and circumstances and and that sets him off on his journey to talk to the other people that he's obviously mm. connected with and have had an impact on his life. So, you know, he te- he's taught about um, sacrifice because he was in um, World War Two, and um, he was in the Philippines and they- he'd been caught. He was a prisoner of war and he escaped and um, he got shot. And it turns out it was his captain that shot him. He was trying to... to save someone that was in a burning house and he knew that if he goes in he'd die and that captain did not want to see anyone die so he shot him and the captain himself dies and he's like you know in saving his people but and and our lead character is so angry that he would shoot him because he's had this bad leg for so long and he's like how dare you and he's like well sacrifice is part of life you had to lose that leg in order for me to save you and i had to die in order for you to live Mm. (laughs) um and it's all of these lessons like this Mm. so you know he learns about forgiveness and he's been holding on to his anger for his father for a long time and this lady teaches him look how this has poisoned your life in lots of different ways your anger so let it go so is that um so is that the important thing in life then do you think to to have mm. these issues that are resolved or that mm. you resolve all these issues and you feel at peace with yourself is that what you're saying I think so yeah like I don't I don't know that in I I don't think it will be so cinematic and wonderful when I die that five people will come and explain my (laughs) life to me you know because basically that's what they do they come in and they and they take their turn leading Mm. him on and he slowly um, accepts it like he starts off um, as well they bring him back and he starts off as a child which is interesting and he slowly gets closer to the age he is Mm. when he dies as an old man and, you know, he slowly starts to notice the aches and pains because he doesn't grow into them over years. He feels them. But he also, I suppose, feels lighter in his... It sounds soppy, but lighter in his heart and his mm. his his mental self. He feels more released. And I think, mm. yeah, coming to terms with the things that have affected you, thinking about your life and being like... Being able to let go, I suppose you've led a good life you've had Mm -hmm. meaning in your life and you've been able to resolve all those kind of unresolved issues um Mm -hmm. yeah and that's kind of that's enough yeah i think that's a very humanist um way Mm -hmm. of of thinking about it certainly um when i do my um humanist talks at schools and that is one of the more difficult questions that people ask me you know what what happens when you die then what do you think happens when you die and you know the standard answer is well no one knows for sure um but it seems like this is the only life that we have that's the we know we have this life and therefore we're going to live it believing that it is the only Mm -hmm. life we've got and therefore it's about finding meaning and purpose Mm -hmm. in our own existence and it's a like you described it's a piece of work we do ourselves Mm. as opposed to it being spoon-fed to us you know this is what your life should be now go and do it 
actually mm. what it is it's a personal um that's our biggest project if you like you know mm. to, to to find that our own meaning and purpose and um yeah who knows how that fits into the yeah into the universe but it doesn't kind of need to it's it's our mm. it's our life it's our existence and it's important in that respect yeah i think life is life is connection and being able to die peacefully is just for me is just understanding that mm. and and that's kind of what that book for me that's why i see, see it as kind of like a balm mm. so if you are fearful of death i think that would be quite a nice book to read because it's mm. like it's not a book where you know he's gonna find a way to cheat death he is going to die that is decided um or he is in fact dead he's just going through his final his final motions before he he leaves yeah and wherever that leaves to if he just ceases to exist um or if he um or i think it's kind of suggested that he's obviously now going to wait for his people that he will have connected he'll be someone's five yes people. yeah yeah, and um, it's that that gives you that sense of connections again, isn't it? It's all yeah. about it's all about that, yeah. And it's all about people. So it's just there's this place where he is, and that person. I think there's a, maybe a sense of relief that they've now met their person, they've done their bit. So like this feeding onto each other as well. You know, mm. you give, he's received knowledge of his life, and now it's his duty to give it on to someone else. So probably, I mean, it's obvious at the start because it, it explains it's the very first thing that happens is that he saves a little girl and that's why he dies so you're kind of like ah the the little girl eventually will probably grow up and she'll die and she'll go speak to eddie and i guess just like something quite soothing about that (laughs) there's something soothing but i guess there's it's also quite it is one of those areas that that is very emotive isn't it i mean i just think about um that the I don't often cry in movies, you know. Um, mm. I'm pretty heartless. Um, it's all right. Commode cries all the time. Yeah, he does. Cries at uh, Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I cry at Mamma Mia, but for a different reason. Mamma Mia's um, great. I'll have no uh, other judgment. <laughs> but I think that's that life story of, of when you see it in a kind of, in a movie or even, mm. I mean, the, the classic example is the film... The um the Disney film is it up? Um, yeah. Oh, is it Disney? I'm not sure. But it's like Pixar. you see, it's a Pixar film. When you see the 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 young the little kids, you know, and and they they've got so much hope for the future, and you know he just falls in love with this girl, and and you just see them. I'm starting to tear up now already. You just see them living their lives, and and then then you see the end of that life, and that's like it's kind of heart-wrenching but also lovely mm. because there's been so much good things in that life and you know you've they've, yes there's been tragedy yes there's been disappointment but there's nothing else but a good life yeah and and i do tend to see it like that i mean um our little dog pepper she's like eight now and at mm. some point she's gonna die but i won't be sad about that obviously i'll miss her but mm. she's had such a great life you know we've yeah. given her a great life she's given us a lot of happiness how could you be sad about that you know mm. and that's the way i've come to think about life and um yeah i think you're right connections and also i suppose the other thing that i think about sometimes 
is is leaving something behind. So there is a legacy element to this mm. that I, I think is, I think as you get mm. older, you start to think much more about that. Um, mm. I never thought about that when I was younger, but now I'm in my 50s. You know, I still like to think I've got a few years left, but but I, I am thinking about the legacy and, and that even, so I'm doing some, as you know, I'm doing the, the training courses online. I've done that for a few years. I've got some courses on Udemy. But I'm now doing these short courses um, that that we're getting people to sign up to through our website. Mm. And they're completely free about assertiveness and how to get more of what you want and all that. And I like the idea that, you know, if, if I got run over by a bus tomorrow, um, that would still be there. Mm. So my courses that I'm doing, developing now, potentially can live on for as long as you know you or anybody else wants to take care of the digital mm. um, memory that there is and I think that's fantastic you know that you can actually still be influencing people you can still be connecting with people even after you've gone and, and that used to be only film stars and uh, yeah. television stars that could do that but now we can all do that um, and that's that's kind of wonderful isn't it mm. that is an immortality but in a different way and whilst you're not around to to see it, I actually think that that person gives me a lot of comfort to know that things I've learned I can pass on to mm. other people, and that's kind of now I think if I had a meaning and purpose in life, that is it really is to I, I it's taken me a long journey, and and that includes leaving the witnesses and understanding myself and doing stupid things and you know upsetting people and all of that and not knowing what the heck I'm doing but I've gone through all that and I think everybody has to do it for themselves mm -hmm. but I do feel like there's a there's something there I can pass on and experience a mm -hmm. a set of things I've learned that whether anybody else wants to know or not I don't know but that that mm -hmm. feels important somehow mm, definitely and I think that's kind of like yeah that's this whole stylized cinematic-y feeling of this book but I think we are kind of doing that in our lives and yeah I suppose it, it gives you to use the word it gives you faith that you don't need faith in order to have um, value in your life and yeah to get that kind of satisfaction and feeling of something bigger than you in that just you interacting with people and doing your best creates of something bigger than you yeah, definitely. I think that's the motivation for the podcast. It's the motivation for the, the training courses that I'm now doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, as you get older, you kind of feel a sense of more and more of that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously having children is is a, is another way in which you leave a legacy to the world. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very proud with what you've achieved and what you're doing and what you're achieving and who you've become, really. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's another part of that legacy. Not everybody can have or wants to have children, so it's not for everyone. But I think people it is can affect. Some. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think one thing that I've been thinking about more is like, personally, I know that one day I want to have my own children and to be a mother. But I also think it's important to know the impact of just adults on children that aren't their own children. Because mm -hmm. there was somebody that I was watching on YouTube. And they don't want to have kids themselves. And I was like, oh, it's such a shame because she'd be like such an amazing mum and like she'd teach them so many things. And I was like, mm. oh no, but she's doing that for me. She's teaching me. She's doing that for loads of people. And you don't have to 
have children like you said it's about I was like she's bringing so much to the world and to young people and like you know there's a lot of there's so much value in that and um I just wonder if they're a person that was religious and isn't anymore and I wonder if um that there is this element of really putting emphasis on that when you've left something because you're like I'm gonna make sure that I I leave something good in my own right and it's my own thing I don't know yeah, I think, and again, there's. We keep saying this every time. There's an element of individual differences here. So people are different. So mm. you know, for some people who leave, they don't kind of worry about it. You know, yeah. they just uh, just get on with life. You know, that's great. Mm. And then there's other people like like me and you probably that that have all these um, kind of internal thoughts about it. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the other thing to just um say on this conversation it's a bit it's a bit rambling i think this this podcast but i kind of like it i think it's important because mm. it's a sort of conversation that perhaps people don't have enough really yeah. um but it's not morbid i don't i don't like talking about death if i'm honest it's not something that i will i will gravitate towards mm. like you know but um but yeah i mean ultimately though there is a there is still a question so having said where where i personally stand which is you know, we we know we've got this one life. Let's live it as though it's the only one. Um, I think that is the best way to to live life. Mm. Um, but you still there's still something that is hard to shake. Um, which is I think why there's so many so many people have a belief in life after death. It's very very difficult to imagine that this consciousness that you have right now at some point will be gone mm. that's really really difficult to mm. to come it's not so much emotional but just to imagine a time when that experience that qualitative experience of being alive is gone it's just unimaginable mm. and yet you know i don't know what happened in the 1700s and i don't feel sad about that i just wasn't around then and you know in in the year 22 22 i won't be alive just the same so it's and yet it that bit is more painful than knowing that you weren't alive 200 years ago mm. and i don't and that's really hard to put your finger on i think uh, but that's one of the reasons i think why there is so much general belief in life after death it's just that that difficulty in imagining that your that your whole consciousness won't be there um and I think the other the other thing that does stop me, and I still don't know how to think about it. I don't know how mm. to explain it. So what should I think about? This is the ultimate question for me. Is what should I think about the fact that I am actually here? Yeah. And I just don't know how to answer that question. So, mm. you know, the chance that I, same goes for you mm. and everybody listening to this, the chances that your consciousness arose in the universe... If we understand it from a purely um, kind of mechanistic way of thinking about the universe, mm. it's so unlikely, so as you wouldn't predict it, because it is absolutely so unlikely, It's it's you might as well call it impossible. Mm. Because you've already alluded to it, you know, just every single union between a male and a female forget evolution you know forget mm -hmm. the change of but even just thinking about human beings every single male and female that got together that had a offspring that that offspring 
you know you can trace your family tree back and every single one of those mm. ancestors had to be in exactly that place at exactly that time in exactly that situation for that exact sperm and that exact egg to meet to produce that individual that would produce the next individual that would inevitably lead to you or to mm. me mm. i mean and you only need to go one step i mean if if me and mum had, hadn't met if i'd have left jehovah's witnesses you know two years before you wouldn't be here mm. but then multiply that by all the generations of all the people and all the different situations yeah. it's just it's impossible really that you're here it's impossible mm. that i'm here and yet here i am yeah. and and i think when i that's the moment when it's just too big for my brain to <laughs> to understand that i don't mm. i don't understand that now i know that that in some respects is a a logical fallacy because we're looking at kind of what what the result so the result of something always like so if you threw a bag of marbles up in the air you wouldn't be able to predict where they all landed but no. when they all landed you'd be able to say well they've all landed in this place mm. what were the chances of that <laughs> very unlikely but it's going to land mm. somewhere mm. however it, this feels to me like the same problem as as losing consciousness when you die is that this feels so profound this consciousness that i have how come it's here when the chances were so unlikely mm. um and that just that just makes that just gives you that slither i guess of there's more to this than we understand and we mm. know mm. so it's not something that that occupies my thinking much of the time really um i am fiercely secular i am a humanist mm. i don't believe in god mm -hmm. um but of course there are lots of things that we don't understand mm. and you know so that's why i always say no one knows for sure because there's all this stuff that, mm. <laughs> this existence this qualitative existence that is just too kind of difficult to um to resolve yeah it's interesting that um when i was gonna when i was doing my own research for this podcast mm -hmm. i looked up what people's um beliefs are in the sort of afterlife i came across this paper which was it's kind of from an east sorry from a nordic perspective which it's in english but it's really focusing on the nordic countries although it does talk about other countries as well um, and what they found with this it's a survey quite a big survey part of a bigger survey about mm. values and human values um, but they found that around well in the nor in northern Europe or in the Nordic countries 22% of people believed in reincarnation mm. and 52% in people believed in life after death of some sort but 22% believed in reincarnation now that that why is the question because mm. it's not in their sort of tradition it's not their or their you know christian religions and so on that it's not in there is it because of their pagan religions because you know they used to believe mm. things like that or is it because of eastern ideas coming across and so on um or is it just because 
again, it's just this feeling that, you know, something must mm. live on after we die. And I, I suspect it's it's that. It's such a strong, powerful instinct that we just struggle to to make sense of the end of our life, mm. I think. Mm. So I don't I know what to make of that, but, you know. I suppose in terms for me, the only way that I can believe in an aspect of reincarnation is if I think about just the fact that our energy goes somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So like, and I don't mean in like vibrations, man. I just mean like, no, just like literally we are like full of energy. um, And when we are either burnt and scattered, we're basically fertilizer for the gardens. Um, Or and and but like in a nice way, like like our energy that used to power our life and existence is now powering some plants to grow, and then bees go and they um, collect the pollen on their little legs and they make honey, and then you know people eat the honey or like you know it continues to pollinate and animals eat things and it's just the exchange of energy. So I suppose in the because energy cannot be destroyed you know just because you're dead doesn't mean all of the energy you had you're not like a dead battery so you're not completely kaput that you still hold energy um and if you're buried obviously that goes into the ground feeds the world and so on so well like people even do those those tree ones now where they plant a particular tree and it uses the body to Mm. as its fertilizer basically um and I, i suppose like i can in a scientific way, I suppose that's kind of like a very basic way of reincarnation. It's your energy, the stuff that powered you is now, you know, going back into the cycle and, and powering yeah. the next thing and so on. But it's not your your brain, your mental being. Just No, so I think, I think what you're saying is your consciousness goes, mm. but the material stuff that we're made yeah. out of um, is you know is still in the world therefore it 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 gets used up in in the way that all matter does i mean we're all stars aren't we we're all made of stars yeah we're all stardust all the elements that go to make the planet and us Mm -hmm. we all come from the earth because we're all Mm -hmm. physical material beings and so we're all basically made of of universe stuff yeah and that that's quite i kind of like that i know it's kind of like it sounds a bit cold because it's like yeah and then your body feeds the earth but i kind of like that that nothing nothing goes to waste into nothing you you die but you go back to the earth that made you and you you power the next thing and so on and so on and so on yeah and a way i sometimes think about it is um thinking a bit bigger a lot bigger mm-hmm. um is that you know if you think about the universe we don't know mm-hmm. where there's life elsewhere but it seems like there there's likely to be life in the universe but mm-hmm. whether there's the sort of conscious life that or the intelligent again mm-hmm. quotes uh life that we we see here on earth is is questionable mm-hmm. although still again possible but imagine the universe it's it's absolutely you know as douglas adams said it's big it's really very big, big. <laughs> <laughs> um but the fact that it's only creatures like us somehow the universe has has given birth to Mm. minds Mm. that have been able to understand some of the most basic Mm. 
physics and laws of the universe that you know it, without without beings like us then the universe wouldn't be able to know itself mm. but we are we are a way of the universe understanding and describing itself so in that way we're connected to this this massive great amazing thing we call the universe um and we are so in that respect we're we are of value we are quite important mm. because we're a way of consciously understanding the world and the universe mm -hmm. and i think that brings us back into so we've always the, the story of science in a way is to reduce humans importance in the universe mm -hmm. you know we thought we were god's wonderful crowning creation and then yeah we thought we were the center of the solar system or the earth um, the sun revolved around the earth and then we mm -hmm. realized we revolved around the sun and then we realized that the solar system wasn't anything special you know and then and then mm -hmm. and then and we we start to feel less and less important but in a way this sort of conversation brings us back not necessarily into the center because who knows what other creatures mm -hmm. are out there but still it's significant that there are minds that mm. the universe has given birth to to help explain itself and that is pretty wonderful and yeah. we have the opportunity to do that and that is a great you know a great thing that we, we can we can just i guess revel in mm. even if we do waste it by watching seven brides for seven brothers or something like that <laughs> I don't care. I feel I feel sad, and I want to watch it. You can't stop me. Oh dear. Okay. Well, I'm I not might even to... watch Mamma Mia as well later. I don't blame you. Go for it. <laughs> um, and part, I think that's the other part of life mm. is that you can actually find pleasure. I mean, that's one thing that I used to. It's strange because when I was a kid, I mm. I often used to think about things I did, and and I would find no pleasure in them because mm. I would think that I'm wasting my time. So mm. stuff like watching a film or playing football or watching football on TV always felt like I'm wasting my time. I'm not doing anything important. And that robs you of your your life, doesn't it? It robs you of your happiness. Mm. So actually, you're not wasting your life watching a film. You're wasting your life worrying about wasting your life. Yeah. Because watching a film can be absolutely... Um, mind-altering yeah, mind-altering mm. defining and it's part of what makes us human so yeah so don't don't feel that way i think and it's about it's the whole connection thing again isn't it i think the beauty of that book is that it's just the things that happened it wasn't you know grand and and amazing that and he made great decisions he just lived his life and these are the yeah. people that he needs to talk to in order to understand yeah. it okay yeah, nice. all right well i don't know if we've um actually resolved anything which we will say well, no, we I never think, do no i think the thing that's good for this is that and who i'd say this podcast was good for is if you are a grappling with death or as a concept or if you're um you know someone that's left religion and is mm. coming to terms with it or questioning you know what do i believe in should i eat meat do I think I'm going to die and just die? The great questions of this world. <laughs> yeah, we've gone quite heavy recently, haven't we? So, mm. um, yeah, maybe we should lighten it up. Yeah. Um, all right, well, thank you very much. I found that conversation mm. very interesting. And mm. um, it's something we've not really talked about to each other very much at all. I yeah. remember uh, as a child you asking me about death sometimes and me just mm. being quite, quite straight with you, you know, that 
I, I don't I don't think we do go anywhere after we die but we can live our life and enjoy it and it's the mm-hmm. it's the the relationships and and the way yeah. we um we leave or what we leave behind is I know it's a cliche mm-hmm. but I think that is that is the most important thing yeah. I remember having those conversations but as you've grown up we've never mm-hmm. kind of discussed it have we so no, no. kind of so nice it's really interesting yeah mm, nice one I hope everyone enjoyed it yeah I, I hope so um mm. so don't forget to subscribe if you can mm. on your leave a star rating on iTunes yeah. that really helps gets more people listening it really does and um yeah you can contact us directly through Whatsitter on Twitter mm-hmm. um, so Whatsitter is what S-I-T-A um, so just reach out to us and give us some suggestions for the sorts of things that you'd like us to talk about and to investigate so don't forget mm-hmm. the the conceit of this uh, podcast is you know what should I think about it's not to tell anybody what they should think about but it's it's the sorts of grappling with these big questions that we we're just going to do and record it basically so um, yeah let us know what you want us to talk about thank you very much for listening see you next time bye bye what should i think about is an evil sheep production